start out with a series of messages for six weeks. We're going to be talking about this spiritual growth campaign. One of the things that you're going to get from me each one of these Sundays is something that goes along with whatever it is that you're going to be studying in your small group. So I just want to welcome you. I want to welcome you if you're online with us. I want to welcome you if you're in the sanctuary with us. And uh, folks, this is basically where we're going. We're going to, we're going to take an advanced class I grew up in Carrizozo, New Mexico, where they had no such thing as advanced classes because all the kids were a little slow like me. No advanced classes, but today you're going to get an advanced class on the calling of your life. The message this morning is entitled, The Call is for You, Live Your Calling. And that's all part of uh, what, I'm, what on earth am I here for. In order to be part of all that we're going to be doing, as I suggested a moment ago, because probably 75% of it's going to take place in a small group, you need to be part of a small group. In these small groups, you're going to, you're going to watch a video, you're going to be uh, going over discussion questions, you're going to be doing projects, you're going to be doing memory verses, and I just cannot wait for all of this to begin to happen. And so I'm looking forward to what, what our small groups are even going to, starting tonight, are going to be a part of. If you're not in a group, remember, you can get in a group. Amen? Uh, get in a group. Uh, big question as we begin this message this morning. Why am I alive and what am I supposed to be doing with my life? That's my question for you this morning. Why am I alive and what am I supposed to be doing with my life? Well, I have to confess that really wasn't Stephanie. I initiated that call from right here. She got a call. Did you see her? She got a call. Phone rang and she knew it was a call. She jumped up to answer it and there wasn't anybody talking. Sorry, Miss Stephanie. I could have had a conversation with you, but I need to move through this. I'll start this morning with this scripture because this is one of a, a very loved, a, 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 one of a, a very loved list of scriptures. Romans 8.28 says this, We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him. In all things God works for the good of those who loved Him, that love Him. How many of you have heard that before? Did you know that's not all the verse? Let me read you the rest of it. Who have been called according to his purpose. We know that all things work together for good to those that, that uh, love God, not just the things in, in life that are, that are good, but even the bad things, the ugly things, the terrible things, the tragic things. In all things, God, God works for the good of those who loved him. It doesn't just say the good things. You see, because in our lives, we live our lives, and sometimes there's things that are not so good, and he can even take those bad things that happen to us in life, and he can make them work for good. God says that. And man, that's a promise that I hang on to all the time. Whenever I'm going through something tough, I go, man, God, but you can still take this and make it work for good in my life. But the scripture continues. In all things, God work for them, uh, works them together for our good, but it's for those that have been called according to his purpose. He can bring good out of them, even if they're bad, but he also call, he says, these are for those that are called according to his purpose. So what do you think of whenever you receive a phone call? 
my component back here, whenever she received a phone call, she thought it's pastor calling. We've got caller ID now, but you know, there was a time where we had rotary phones and we had no caller ID. I wasn't born then, so I don't know a whole lot about it. But nevertheless, what do you think of whenever you get a call? If you just received a call, I mean, there's a couple of things that run through my head. A lot of times it's an interruption or it's some kind of bad news. You know, it can come in the middle whenever you're busy or it can come in the middle of times whenever you're relaxing or maybe it's just you're tired. Let's say that the phone rings one day and, and, and you thought that this interruption is going to be bad news, but somebody on the other end of the phone, whenever you answer it, says, hey, listen, uh, I just have some great news for you. One of your long-lost relatives has passed away, and you've inherited $50 million. Now, okay, you pessimistic people, I heard that. Scammer, scammer, scammer. But it's real. This is a real phone call. You really had somebody that put your name on a will, and, and now that lawyer's calling you, and you've just inherited $50 million. I can tell you, you probably would not want to have missed that call. Amen? Because maybe it was stipulated in the will. You can only call them once. If they don't answer, I go on to the next relative. So now this morning, what if God called you? What if that call that I initiated a while ago wasn't me initiating, but it was God? So here's a tip. Whenever God calls you, do not let it roll over to voicemail. Don't use call waiting. Don't let it ring and ring and ring and ring and ring and then pick it up. Pick it up on the first ring whenever God calls you. The Bible says that you have already been called by God. You've been called according to His purpose. A couple of verses down from Romans 8.28 is Romans 8.30. And it says, And these whom He predestined, He also called. And these whom He called, He also justified. And these whom He justified, He also glorified. These are some real big theological words that are going to be covered in a few weeks as we go along through this series, but the word that I want us to focus on this morning as we begin to live your calling to be called, the Bible says you have been called by God. It's already taken place. The call was already initiated. I initiated. I pushed a button right here on my phone, and it's a miracle because I'm not very good with smartphones, but nevertheless, I initiated, but God has already initiated a phone call, oh, excuse me, just a call to each one of our lives. The word that I want us to focus on throughout this whole message is, is called. So what does it mean to be called? Well, if you look it up in the Greek, it means kaleo. Kaleo means literally to be called by God or God is calling you. It's used about a hundred times in the New Testament. And most of the time, it's talking about your assignment in life or your purpose in life, the mission of your life, the reason that God created you. Your calling. It's Kaleo. In the next six weeks, we're going to look, we're going to take that advanced class and we're going to look at why it is that I'm alive, why it is that you're alive, and what that we are supposed to be doing with our lives. The Greek word is Kaleo. The Latin word is another word that you've heard for a calling. It's vocation. Vocation comes from the Latin word voce or vocari. It means to speak, it means to call. If any of you have grown up in a home like my mother uh, raised me in, my mother would step out whenever it was just about dark because we'd been playing outside all day. And man, she could scream where the whole neighborhood could hear, hear her. She'd say, Jackie! That means I stop what I'm doing and run home. She would call me home. 
So that's where we get this. It means to call. It, we, get the same, we get the word voice from it. We get the word vocal from it. To vocalize comes from the word vocation. It's your calling. So your vocation and your calling are the same thing. But now here's the problem, because whenever I say your vocation and your calling are the same thing, what we've done today is we've kind of dumbed down the word of vocation. It's been reduced and it's been minimalized to mean just my job or just my career. It's what I get paid for. It's what I get paid for down at Piggly Wiggly whenever I'm bagging groceries. That's my vocation. Get this. Your calling, your vocation is not your career. I'm going to try to explain this in detail in the next few weeks. Your calling is far, far, far more significant, far larger, far more encompassing than your career. Your vocation is misused whenever you say, my vocation is just my job. No, you have a job, but your vocation is your calling in life. Now, everybody's clear on that, yes? Okay, well, we're going to be clear because this is an advanced class we're going to. Our vocation, our calling is what we have been born to do by God. How many of you all know this? We're all designer babies. They're thinking about designer babies. God's been doing designer babies from the beginning. We'll get into that a little bit more. See, the Bible's full of people who have been called by God. Noah, he was called by God. He responded to that calling. Abraham was called by God. He responded to that calling. Moses was called by God. The purpose of his life uh, to free the children of Israel. God called Nehemiah. He was a builder. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, Joel. God called David. God called Solomon. In the New Testament, God called Peter. He called Paul. He called Mary. You had to be old to laugh at that joke right there, okay? He called James. He called John. Anybody familiar with Peter, Paul, and Mary? Just four people in the room, and others are lying. Okay, God has called, or God has a call on every person's life. And in the next six weeks, we're going to talk about these specific dimensions of God's call on our life. So I want you to know that you're, I want you to know you're calling, and I want you to know how to fulfill it. Because that's what Jesus, whenever he said in John 10, 10, he said, I come that you might have life and have life more abundantly. It's not about all the stuff from Stuff Mart that Jesus wants you to have. It's, it's about your calling. It's about living the life that he has created you to live. He's living the life that he has designed for you to live. In Ephesians 1, 18 and 19, this is a prayer that I'm going to be praying over all of you as we go through this journey. My prayer is that light will flood your hearts and that you will understand the hope that was given to you when God called you. Then you will discover the glorious blessings that will be yours together with all of God's people. That's a powerful prayer. And we all got to get a hold of that because, man, that's where living life is. That's abundant life. And so in the next 40 minutes, I'm going to try to go over eight things that everybody needs to know about your life's calling. Eight things. Eight things. 
Number one, you can write these down because we're going to be referring back to them as we go along. My calling is a gift from God. My calling is a gift from God. I don't earn it. I don't deserve it. I don't work for it. It is graciously given to me by God. It is a gift. It is a present from him. In Galatians 1.6, it says, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel. So here the, here the writer of Galatians is saying, him who called you in the grace of Christ. He called you because of the grace of Jesus Christ. So what is grace? Grace is undeserved kindness. It's whenever God gives you what you need, not what you deserve. Amen? Man, that's a good word. Because what I deserve, if I would have gotten it, I would not be here today. Amen? nor would any of you all. If we got what we deserve, but God has waived that because of the blood that Jesus shed on the cross for us, and now he gives us what we need, not what we deserve. Your calling is part of your salvation. Whenever you get born again, man, life gets good. If you're not born again, whether you're listening to us online or whether you're here in this sanctuary, if you don't know Jesus as personal Savior, man, you're missing out on something amazing. If you've slid away from him because maybe one time you knew him, but now it's just, you know, I don't know if I'm really right with him or not. Today is the day of salvation, the Bible says. You can give your life to Jesus Christ here at this church, in your car, in the parking lot, at your bed, whenever you get home, but you can become that child of God. And with becoming a Christian, there's something that God offers us. This is 2 Timothy 1.9. He has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we've done, but because of his own purposes and grace. So God gives me this calling, a calling in my life simply because he wants to give me a calling. I don't deserve it. He just gives it to me. Look at the word purpose there in that verse. Because, because of his own purpose and grace. And that leads me to my, to my next point. My calling is a gift from God, number one. But number two, I am called for God's purpose. I am called for God's purpose. I want to talk to the men here for a minute. <laughs> you got tools out in your toolbox, right? You go out there, guys, and you know what they're for. You open up your toolbox drawer, and there's this wrench that's all greasy because you've been greasing it. You pull it out. You can ask your wife, you know what this is, hon? And they go, no, honey, I don't have any idea. But you're a strong man, tell me. It's a box-in, open-in combination wrench made by the Proto Company. It's a good one. <laughs> Y'all there with me? My calling is a gift from God. You and I, as men... We need to know that everything that our lives represent that is good comes from God. We can't earn it. It's just a present. I marvel. I marvel, the Bible says. I marvel at the turning away from Christ that so many go through 
But this grace, this, this, this amazing grace that God gives us, he gives us as men, he gives us as women, and you and I are for his purpose. See, I've been saved for his purpose. We all know what those tools represent in our toolbox. We know why they're there. We know how to use them. And this amazing grace that has been given to us, we've got to know that it's for his purpose that Jesus Christ came and died on the cross for us. It's for his purpose. I think too often we start to think like this. I'm here because of the stuff I need, the stuff I want. I'm here to do the things I want to do. But we are called for God's purpose. By his grace, he has given this undeserved kindness. And because of that, it's his purpose that we've been made for. We've been made for him. We have not been made for ourselves. I'm called for God's purpose. God's calling is not about my plan for my life, it's about his plan for my life. God's calling is not about his, my dream for my life, it is about his dream for my life. God's calling is not about my purpose for my life, but it's about his purpose for my life. It's not about my parents' purpose for my life or my brother's, sister's purpose for my life, my boyfriend, girlfriend, my wife, my spouse, whatever it might be. It, our lives are for his purpose. There was these two twins born back in the Old Testament, Jacob and Esau, and it's kind of a long story, but it's a unique story. But in Romans chapter 9, one of the scriptures there talks about Jacob and Esau. Jacob was born second. Esau was born first. He was the first twin, uh, twin to come out of the womb, and because of that, he was the firstborn, and all of the blessing fell upon him. It's kind of like, man, you're the star. You're great. You're awesome, Esau. Jacob, you're all right too, but man, your brother gets everything. I mean, it was kind of like that back then. But in Romans chapter 9, this is what it says, because you see, these two brothers got switched and all of a sudden, it wasn't Esau that got the blessing. It was Jacob that got the blessing. But listen to what it says in Romans 9, 11. Because remember, we are called for God's purpose. Romans 9, 11, before the two boys were born, God told Rebekah, the older will serve the younger. This was before the boys had done anything good or bad. God said the one chosen would be chosen because of God's own plan for him. He was chosen because he was the one God wanted to call, not because of anything that he did, not because of anything that he did. Whenever I was 20 years old, I responded to an altar call one night, and at that altar, God called me into the ministry. And I responded that night by saying, God, listen, I'll go wherever you want me to do. I'll do whatever you want me to. I will preach whatever it is that you tell me to preach. So whenever I was 20 years ago, let's see, it's been one, two, it's been eight years ago now, I learned of God's calling for me. And ever since that time where I was called at 20 years old, I became bivocational. My job has changed several times since I was called into the ministry, but my calling has never changed. Listen to that very carefully. Regardless of what my job was, my calling never changed. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's workmanship, 
created in, in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Can I just tell you something? Whenever God saddles up to a job, he does it right. Are you all there with me? He does it right. He is no so, some kind of sloppy carpenter that, you know, you look and you go, oh my goodness, who did that? When I was growing up, I was a welder. And I mean, I even welded professionally as I uh, worked my way into the ministry. And, and one of the things that I can't stand is chicken scratch welding. To look at somebody else that welded and they didn't do it right, there's just all this <laughs> all over it. Bothers me. I look at it and I go, man, whoever welded that didn't do it right. How many of you know when you were God, if God was a welder, he would weld good. The Bible says, for we are God's workmanship. That's why I said all that. You realize that, folks, every human being on this planet is God's masterpiece. We are God's workmanship. You say, well, I don't really think I'm too much of a masterpiece, pastor. I say, man, you know, I'm kind of crazy and I do weird stuff and... You see, you don't realize how much value God has put on your life. You say, well, I still, I just don't feel like too much of a masterpiece, Pastor. I'm pretty beat up. Sometimes I even feel like a piece of junk. You are not junk, and I'll tell you why, because Jesus didn't die for junk. He died for the masterpieces that his father's been creating over the course of thousands of years on this globe. You were put here because you are a masterpiece. You were put here, it says, Jesus Christ, to do good works. You were put here to be a contributor, to make a contribution with your life. The Bible calls your contribution good works. It's part of your calling. You are God's workmanship created to make a contribution which God prepared in advance for you to do. That means a long, long time ago, before you were thought of, God had thought of your calling. Before you were ever even a thought, before your parents were ever even a thought, God thought about your calling. Prepared in advance for you this calling. So that brings me to number three. Number three is this. God chose my calling before I was born. It says in advance. Galatians 1.15, it pleased God in his kindness to choose me and to call me even before I was born. What an undeserved mercy. I mean, seriously, before I was even born, God had this amazing plan for our, my life. My calling is a, is a gift from God. I'm called for God's purpose. I'm not called for my own purpose. And my calling was before I was even born. God chose it for me. This amazing life that I'm living in the middle of right now, God chose it for me even before I was born. In Jeremiah 1.5, it says, Before I, I shaped you in the womb, I knew all about you. Before you saw the light of day, holy, I had holy plans for you. God called you before you were ever born. The Bible says God uniquely shaped you. You were custom-made baby. You were a designer baby. You're designer baby. So you need to leave and go say, hey, man, they're talking about designer baby. I read in the Inquirer the other day, and you can just go, listen, man, I am, I am a designer baby. God designed me in my mother's womb. I'm a designer baby. He designed me to carry out a task here on this earth, to be, to be, to be working my calling. In Isaiah 44, 2, it says, I am your creator. You were in my care even before you were born. You go, well, pastor, that's a great scripture. It is a great scripture. That's why we're going to be learning as a memory verse. 
That's our memory verse for this week. So all of our groups are going to be learning that, that scripture. I am your creator. You were in my care even before you were born. It says three things to us. The Bible says, I'm your creator. What does that mean? Well, that you weren't made by accident. He created you for a purpose. You were uniquely chosen and you were created by God. You say, well, why is it so important for me not to think I'm an accident? Because see, there are thousands upon thousands of people that are in spitting distance of this church that literally think they're an accident. Not an accident. God did it on purpose, amen? Because see, if you believe you're an accident, that's the way you're gonna live your life is accidentally. Kind of go through life accidentally without any purpose, without any direction. You're not an accident. I am your creator, the Bible says. You are not an accident. You were in my care, the Bible says. That means you're deeply loved. You were in God's care whenever you were in the womb, even while you were growing inside of your mother. Do you realize this is why abortion is wrong, folks? It's not a fetus. It's not a a blob. It's not a mass in the mother's womb. It is a child. It is an unborn child that will develop and grow. And whenever they're born, that, that plan, that purpose that God designed in them, that's the only way that they have a chance to walk that plan out. You see, that baby that God has already numbered the days of that baby's life. Choose that baby to be born. That's my, that's, you know, there are accidental parents. I believe that, but I don't believe there's no accidental babies. God chose to create and call you before you were ever born. You were a fetus before you were born. You were a baby. You weren't a fetus. You were a baby already chosen, already called already created by God for the purpose of your calling. That's why it says you were in my care even before you were born. Memorize this verse. I I encourage you to lock it in. So whenever you feel that perhaps your life is an accident, you can go, it's not either. Whenever you feel like maybe nobody cares, you can go, yes, they do. God cares. Whenever you feel like life doesn't have any kind of purpose, you can say, do it with me. Okay. You guys are awful at it. My life has purpose because God created me for a purpose. He planned my life even before I was born. The fourth thing that the Bible teaches us about your calling is this, and this is a big one. This is one that so many people stumble on over and over and over. I know I've stumbled on it many times. My sins, my mistakes don't change my call. Listen to that. My sins, my mistakes, they don't change my call. doesn't matter how much that you've messed up in life so far, it doesn't change your calling. Man, if it, if it changed your calling, believe me, I would have never, ever been a preacher. Are you all there with me? Whenever my high school friends that I went to school with found out I was a preacher, they were shocked. They had to go to therapy over it because I was, I was a heathen whenever I was growing up. I'm really glad for this one that your sins and your mistakes don't change your call. See, because I was called to be a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ before I was ever born. Are you all there? And then I had this period of time. I acted like a knothead, and I'm sure glad that it did not change my calling. God still had a calling on my life. My sins, my mistakes do not change my call. call. God's call is for life. Doesn't matter how messed up that your life has been, 
Does it even matter if somebody messed your life up? No matter how crazy it's gotten, no matter how difficult it might, be, it might have been, no matter how many dumb decisions you've made in the past, it hasn't changed God's call on your life at all. The call that God gave you before you were born, that call has been reaffirmed whenever you got saved. It's a calling that God says it is forever. It's a permanent calling. I used to make appointments for my wife at the hairdresser occasionally. And she used to go to a place called Merle's Beauty Barn. Swear. She told me one day, she said, Jay, would you call them and ask if they would give me a permanent? She wanted a permanent. So I called Merle's Beauty Barn. I knew Merle, so you could understand. I'm, she knows my personality. And I said, Merle, I need to make an appointment for Renee. She wants to get a temporary. And she says, a what? I said, a temporary. What's a temporary? I said, well, it's what you call a permanent, but a permanent is only temporary because six or eight weeks from now, she's going to be wanting another what you call a permanent. Why don't you change the name to a temporary? All I heard was a click. So Merle didn't think it was so funny. Let me tell you something about the calling of God in our lives. It is permanent. It doesn't change because of stupid stuff we do in our lives. 1 Timothy 1, 12, and 13 says, I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, according, appointing me to his service. This is Paul talking. He says, man, I am thankful that God has called me and made me what I am. But then in verse 13, this is what Paul says about himself. He says, though formerly I was a blasphemer, a persecutor, an insolent opponent, but I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief. Folks, let me tell you what Paul was in his day and time. He was a terrorist. People were terrorized by the Apostle Paul. They used to call him Saul. Saul was a terrorist. Went around Jerusalem terrorizing Christian families. He would literally go in. He would arrest them. He would take some of them and literally kill them. Paul was a terrorist. He was a murderer. Whew. Nasty, nasty Paul. Saul. But listen to what he says. I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service. Let me tell you something about Saul or Paul. He was called to be the Apostle Paul before he was ever born. And just because he was a murderer and a terrorist, it didn't change the calling on his life. Are you all there? I'm just curious how many besides myself have done a lot of dumb stuff in this room. Well, maybe not in this room particularly, but anywhere. Thank you. I mean, we've all been there, but God takes all of those experiences in our lives and he never wastes anything. He fits them all together in, in his plan. Even my sin, even the stupid decisions that I've made that will I will perhaps regret the rest of my life, God says, I'm going to even put those into my plan. I'm going to make it work. All things work together for good to those who love God, those that are called according to his purpose. Sometimes... Our calling comes out of our pain. Not only can God say to our sins and our mistakes, it doesn't change your calling, but even the sins of other people that have been committed against you, that you think, man, it's ruined my life. It doesn't change your calling. 
Some of you may feel a little bruised, battered, a little beat up by the world. Maybe you've had somebody who was unfaithful to you, somebody walk out of your life. Maybe you've had somebody betray you or reject you, hurt you, take advantage of you. For all of those things, man, I'm sorry for those things because so many of you have gone through such amazing trials and you're still here, but yet they've affected you in, a, in, in an uncanny way. All of those things did not change one bit your value. It didn't change one bit God's call on your life. You see, it didn't change. I've known people over the years that have been molested as children, and now they're adults, and it just has so radically affected their lives. People that have been lied to and cheated on, and you know, you just feel such horrible feelings about, uh, about the things that people have done to you, but yet understand this. Satan will use that against you. And you say, you, you are, you're, not, you're not worthy to accept the call of Jesus Christ on your life. But know this. Before all of those bad things happened to you, God had a plan and a calling for your life. Before it was ever done, you're still God's workmanship. You are still God's masterpiece. Woo, yeah. Created through Christ Jesus. God says, I can take the ugly stuff and I can take the stinger out of it. I like that. I thought it was good. There was no amens, but I still thought it was good. He can take the ugly stuff, the painful stuff, and he can take the stinger out of it, and he can bring good out of it in our lives. I mean, many of you are familiar with Joyce Meyer, who has this testimony of how she was uh, sexually abused as a child just over and over and over by her father. But man, she's got a powerful testimony and has used it to help thousands upon thousands of people who have struggled with some of the same issues that she went through whenever she was a child. You know what happened? God took the stinger out of it, and he's bringing good out of it. But you got to let him. The Bible says, my sins, my mistakes, they will not be held against me. They will not change the call of God. Let me just... Let me just make this statement, and you've got to hang on to it. God doesn't have a plan B for your life. They blew it. Okay, Jesus, what's plan B? They blew it. They've blown it. What's? Oh, he's on plan C already? Oh, good grief. Y'all there with me? He, he doesn't have a plan B. A lot of people think whenever they really mess up, I'm just going to be living with plan B the rest of my life. You are not going to be living with plan B because God doesn't have plan B. It's plan A. If you don't believe that, many of the folks I listed out of the New and Old Testament made a whole lot of mistakes, and God still called them. Amen? Plan B, no. Only plan A. Number five, we only got eight more to go. My calling is permanent. My calling is permanent. Not like those crazy things, ladies, that you get at the beauty shop. This is permanent. It can't be taken from me because, remember, it's not your job. My calling is not my career. My occupation is going to change many times, but my calling does not change. 
Permanent is nobody can take it from us. Your calling cannot be taken from you. Satan can't take your calling away from you. You can't take your calling away from you. Other people can't take your calling away from you. And God won't take it from you because he's given it to you permanently. In Romans eleven twenty nine, it says God's gifts and his callings are irrevocable. Do you know what that means? Irrevocable. I used to tell my children, I'd say, listen, this is the law of the Medes and the Persians. And whenever I said that, they knew that that law is never going to change in my house. Y'all there with me? Irrevocable law. That's actually what the Medes and the Persians mean. It was an irrevocable law. Let me just say God's laws are even more irrevocable than the Medes and the Persians' laws. Are you there with me? God's gifts and his calls are irrevocable. People say, well, that used to be my calling, but then pff, I really messed up. I went off and I did all kinds of crazy things. Let me just tell you something. If it was your gift, if it was your calling, it is still your calling. Now, the expression of that calling may change. The how and the when and the where and the what. Are you all understanding that? That might change, but your calling is still the same. In Romans eleven twenty nine, it says, God's gifts and his call can never be withdrawn. That's the New Living Translation. It can't be withdrawn. They're irrevocable. No matter what's happened, you st still have the same gifts. You still have the same callings. They're permanent. They're permanent. Has anybody ever built something here on this earth and said, man, that's permanent? I put five bags of concrete in that thing. That's permanent right there. That's permanent. Pfft, it's not permanent. We could come over with a big tractor and pull it up. Are y'all there? Nothing's permanent that you and I put our eyes on today. But this calling, this, these gifts that God gives us, they are permanent. The calling on your life is never, ever going to change, no matter what you've done, no matter what, how you've messed up. So this verse teaches us, if my calling is permanent, it means my job is not my calling. See, I've been telling you that for the last 30 minutes. How many of you have ever changed jobs? Raise your hands. Everybody that's ever had a job probably has changed jobs, unless you're like 14 and this is the first time you've ever worked. You will change jobs. So now the Bible says that your job, your calling is permanent. So that means it's not talking about what you do here on this earth to bring home a paycheck. It's talking about the calling that God has put on your life. My job is not my calling because my job never changes. Or my job does change. There you go. This is one of those things where I think it could be an eye-opener for many of us because we've oftentimes said, my vocation is this, my calling is something else, my job is my calling, my job is my vocation, and we get it all confused. But this is the way God boils it down. Number six is this. My calling is connected to others. My calling, the calling that you've got on your life, was put on your life before you were ever formed in your mother's womb, that calling that God has given us, it is directly connected to others. You cannot fulfill your calling by yourself. Your calling, your assignment from God in life, your purpose, your vision, the dream that God has for your life, it is absolutely 100% connected to other people. So what do I mean by that? 
You can't fulfill your purpose in life by yourself. It's impossible. You can only do it connected to other people, other people in a community of believers. You can't be what God wants you to be. You can't fulfill what God wants you to fulfill. You can't enjoy your destiny on your own. You have to do it connected to other people. It's like the parts of the body, okay? For just a second, go with me on this. They are worthless unless they're connected. You see, I have this eyeball. It's a great eyeball. I'm telling you, I can see all kinds of stuff with it. Less and less can I see the text that I have printed out here in front of me if it's like 10. I have to increase the font size. But nevertheless, my eyeball is extremely gifted eyeball. It has the ability to take this light and translate it to my brain so that I might be able to see something. But now, if I took a spoon, like a heavy-duty spoon, go with me on this, and I crammed it in my eye socket and I popped that eyeball right Right out of there. It flipped out on the floor, rolled across the floor right there. I'm just going to say this. An eyeball outside of the eye socket is worthless. I'm not going to have it rolling across the floor and I can still see something, you know? I'm not going to go, well, there's a lot of dust down here. Rolls up under the pew and I go, well, there's gum stuck up under the pew. Who'd ever stick gum on a church pew? Y'all with me? An eyeball outside of the eye socket cannot see anything, and the reason it can't see anything is because it is not connected. If you have a hand, if you have a foot, and so on, if they are not connected, they are no good. You have to be connected to a body to fulfill your calling. The Bible calls the church the body of Christ. It's the family of God. It's the body of Christ, and we're all members we're all part of it. We're like hands and eyes and noses and feet and some of us are knees and some of us are elbows, but we need all those things. Amen. But they got to be connected if they're going to be any good. In Romans 14, 7, it says, for no, for none of us lives to himself. For none of us lives to himself and none of us dies to himself. How do we get your calling connected? It's through the church. It's through the church. It's through the church. It's through Christ's body. You got to come and you got to be connected. You might be an eyeball. I don't know. You come in and you have no idea what you are and you come in and all of a sudden you, you fall into place. There was an eye socket waiting on you to be that eye. Maybe your hand, maybe your foot. I don't know. Whatever it is that God has called you to do, believe me, every portion of the body of Christ is important. We cover our feet up all the time. At least I do. I don't never caught wearing sandals because I don't wear naked feet, okay? Like some of my children. But my foot is important. I've stumped my toe a few times and found out how important that little bitty toe on the outside of my foot is. Amen? I stepped on a big old ginormous nail one time, drove it up into my foot. Oh, man, did I ever find out how important my foot was. I stomped on a shovel a few years ago and found out how important my foot was because I broke a bone inside of it, ended up getting a blood clot in my leg. It was just crazy. Are y'all there? I'm, I'm saying this morning that every one of us are important because we, have, we are part of the body of Christ. We cannot exist outside of the body of Christ. Ephesians 4.4 4 says we are all one body. We have the same spirit. We have been called to the same glorious future and hope. Hebrews 3.11 says, brothers and sisters, you are holy partners in a heavenly calling. Let me just say this. 
we are better together. Amen? Man, we're better together. Uh, That's the value of small groups. That's the value. Number seven, God will empower what he calls me to do. God will empower what he calls me to do. One of the things that I talked to the group yesterday, we met across the street for a few moments. I said, listen, God does not call the equipped. He equips those he calls. Amen? Every person in the Bible that you read about God's calling be upon their lives. Let me say this. He equipped them after he called them. Peter and James and John were fishermen on the Sea of Galilee. They were fishermen. They didn't know how to be fishers of men, but Jesus called them. And during the course of him pouring into their lives, guess what happened? Peter, James, John, they all got equipped to do the ministry. So if you are called, God is going to empower you to do what it is he's called you to do. Whatever God calls me to do, he's going to give me that that I need to pull it off. God's given me this assignment in life, and he's going to enable me to do it. He's going to equip me to do it. He's going to empower me to do it. He's going to strengthen me to do it. And it goes on and on. Are you all understand what I'm saying? Everything we need is going to come from God. Man, 30-some-odd years ago, whenever I first stepped into first full-time ministry, the very first day I, I quit the potash mines, and I, I came and sat down behind a desk that you know my senior pastor had already spread out some stuff for me to do, and I'm sitting there, and I'm going, I don't have any idea what I'm doing. I can remember the first time he came to me, and he said, listen, I want you to help me preach a funeral. I'm telling you what, mass anxiety flooded my soul. Because you know what? If you mess up at a funeral, you can't just like go back and start over. Ha ha, that was real funny. Let's do some. Funerals are serious. You know, I'm saying I haven't been, I've been to a few that weren't that serious. Scared me to death. But I've preached a lot of funerals now. Why? Because God gave me what I need. He empowered me to do what he had called me to do. God is never going to ask you to do something with your life that he doesn't give you the power to do. So here's how it works. Once that I understand that God's called me, there's a calling on my life. What I do is I commit to that calling. I go, okay, God, you've called me. So I commit to it. Whatever you need me to do, God, I'm going to do it for you. Whenever God first called me into the ministry, I was so stupid, I didn't understand what he was calling me to do. He says, I want you to work for me. That's actually what he told me. I'm knelt down at an altar. It wasn't an altar service that night about any specific calling or anything, but I'm just up here praying. And he says, I want you to work for me. And I go, okay, what do you want me to do? You mean change the engine on the van? I take that dude out, rebore those cylinders. I can put some cams in that thing, lift that band. I'm telling the youth group to be going down the road in a hurry. He said, no, I don't want you to put an engine in the van. It's good. I said, what do you want me to do? And I had all these things that I knew how to do already. I'm offering to him. And he said, I want you to preach the gospel. I want you to become a minister. <clears throat> scared, me, scared me to death. Because my wife, as I said last week, she had already committed never to marry a preacher. Scary. But I ultimately had to come to a place where I committed to doing it. Whenever I left Denver, Colorado for Winston-Salem, North Carolina, I had made the statement to the senior pastor that was trying to hire me as, Winston-Salem is the last place on earth that I want to live. 
One month later, we're driving down I-40 going to Winston-Salem because we have to commit to what he has called us to do. Whatever I have time for, God, whatever time I have left on this earth, I want to use it to fulfill the calling you've put on my life. Whether it's a week, a month, maybe decades, I'm going to commit to the calling you've got on my life. See, because until you commit to that calling, he will never commit his resources to help you do it. In Philippians 4.1, it says, Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you, lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. We commit to it. He empowers us to do what he's called us to do. That's why we always pray for you. This is 2 Thessalonians 1.11. That's why we always pray for you, asking our God to help you live the kind of life he called you to live. We pray that with his power, God will help you do the good things you want and perform the works that come from your faith. That's a powerful word this morning. Let me just say this. You can count on God to give you the strength that you need to do what he's called you to do. 1 Thessalonians 5.24 says, The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. One more thing that I want to share with you. Well, a couple more things, but this is the last of the eight. There's a prize for living out your calling. A prize. Who doesn't like a prize? Man, I grew up in the age of Cracker Jacks and stuff in cereal boxes. I hated cereal, but man, I love the stuff in the cereal box. My mom would buy a box of cereal for us knowing that nobody would eat it just so I could go open it up and get inside of it and get the prize. I loved it. There's a prize waiting for us if we live out our calling. God promises a reward that will literally last forever. I have none of those prizes that I got out of Cracker Jacks left. They're all gone. I threw them in the trash. This is why I'm excited about the spiritual growth campaign because I believe there's a prize for everybody listening if you'll just live out the calling that God has on your life. God's promised a reward for those people who discover and then live out the calling that he has given them. And as I said, the reward's going to last forever. That's a long time, forever. How many of y'all know that's a long time, forever? I can't put my head around that. I can put my head around like maybe 100 years, 200 years. I can completely focus on that. But whenever you start launching out there and you start saying, man, it's a trillion years from now, that's whenever my mind goes, it just starts shorting out. And if you're sitting next to me, you could actually get shocked. Man, you start talking about trillions. I don't understand it. That's what the government's borrowing today, man. Well, we're going to borrow $1.5 trillion and we're going to send it to everybody in America. I'm going, phew, I don't think the bank would approve me for that kind of loan. Can't, I can't understand a trillion. But God says eternity is going to be trillions of trillions of trillions of trillions of years. It's forever. There is a prize that lasts forever. In Philippians 3.14, it says, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which, Jesus, for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. So what is this prize that he's offering us? What is it? Is it something like Cracker Jacks? You open it up and go, oh, look, it's a little thing that 
is trash. No. The prize that he's offering us is to share in his glory forever. He's, he's offering us to share in his glory. Christ Jesus said, listen, I've got all glory, all honor, it's all mine. But he said, I'll tell you what, if you'll live out your calling on this earth, I'll share my glory with you whenever you get to heaven. I'm telling you, that's biblical. So whenever you get to heaven, Christ Jesus is going to offer you his glory. He says, share my, share in my glory. Let me just make you make all of us aware of this. This life that you and I are living, whether you're 15 or whether you're 115, this life is only a test. That's all it is. It's a test. I mean, you got to ask yourself the question, why didn't God just create me and just take me on to heaven? Because this Life that we're living here on earth is a test of our faithfulness. He gives us a few things. He puts them in our care. These are opportunities. These are relationships and so on. And he says, let's see how they do with these things. And then if he can trust you with what he's placed in your hands, folks, he's going to give you more until ultimately he gives you everything. If you are faithful in little, then you will be faith, then you will be faithful in much. This is just a test. God is testing to see if you're going to fulfill the calling that He's put on our lives here on earth. If you do, then He's going to share everything that He has with you. First Thessalonians 12, or 2.12, it says, Live the kind of life that pleases God who calls you to share. And what are we going to share? In His own kingdom and glory. That's amazing, folks. That's a good offer. Can I just tell you that? Good offer. That's a good offer right there. Just for this little bit of time that we're here on this earth, the Bible tells us our life is but a vapor. It's here today, gone tomorrow. And if you have any age on you at all, you know that that is absolutely a fact. I, I look back and I cannot believe that I'm 45 years old already, at least. I just can't believe that. I, I don't know where it's gone. I mean, I'm fixing to have a son that's fixing to turn 40. And I'm going, where has it all gone? It's a vapor. And I can make it. I can, I can stand on my head as long as it needs so that I can get that prize, that reward for this life that is just nothing compared to eternity. You have this calling. Jared, if you'll come and help me close this this morning. You have a calling on your life, church. And if you fulfill that calling in this life, you make the most of what you are given. God says that he's going to allow you to share his kingdom, his glory forever and ever. A few minutes ago, I pushed the button and I dialed the phone and there was an answer. Hello? Is that what you said, Stephanie? Did you say hello? said hello. She answered the phone. And then I said, well, what if God called? And then for about the last 50 minutes, I've been telling you that he has already called. Some of you in this room have already picked up the phone and you've... He said, I'll answer that call. We had some folks up here this morning that we prayed over their lives. And, you know, they're answering the call that God has placed in their life. I mean, he's the one that's prompted this in them so as to lead a small group. They've taken on this, this task because they believe that it is worthwhile. They believe it's something that God wants them to do. The fact is God's already called us all. That phone has been ringing Literally, since before you were ever even conceived, the call has already gone out. But this morning, it's simple. Are you going to pick it up? 
I know people who have ignored and ignored and ignored and ignored and ignored the ringing. But I will tell you this, because our God is faithful and he is full of grace and he is full of mercy. He's never going to hang up on you. The call has gone out and the call is still waiting to be answered. Would you bow your heads with me in this room this morning and just listen to the next few words that I need to speak? God's saying, I'm not hanging up. But he's also looking to you and I and he's asking us to pick up the phone. He wants us to answer the call. He wants us to commit to say, God, I'm not even sure what you're calling me to, but I will commit because I know you've called me. Before I was ever in my mother's womb, you called me, God. And I know if I will just pick up the phone and I will answer that call and I will commit to what it is you call me, I know, God, that you will develop me and you will cause me to live that call out in my life. That I will indeed, Father, find out what on earth that I am here for. I'll find out what I'm here for and I'll spend the rest of my life learning how to do what it is you've called me to do. My calling is from God. I'm called for God's purpose and his purpose alone. God chose me by calling me before I was ever born. My sins, my mistakes, they don't change that calling that God has put upon my life. And my call is permanent. It's irrevocable. My call, it's connected to the body of Christ. It's connected to other people. And God's going to empower every person he's called. He's going to empower them to do what he's called them to do. And man, if I can just be faithful and I can live out my calling, I know that there is a prize that awaits me whenever I step into eternity. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, can you just answer this in your own heart this morning? Will you answer the call of God on your life? Will you answer him? Will you say, Lord, I've messed up. I've done things. I've drugged my feet. I've rejected your call in the past, but today I am going to answer the call you've placed on my life. And I'm going to commit myself to live out that calling. Will you answer his call this morning? Will you answer that call this morning? He needs you to be a part of this unbelievable kingdom plan that he has. There's no one else that can do what it is that you have been called to do. You're it. Will you answer his call? Father, this morning, I know that there is a lot going on in hearts all over this room, hearts that are listening in online. And Father, this morning, I know 
that there is a clarion call going out. It's embedding in our minds. It's embedding in our hearts this morning, Lord, because you're connecting with folks, Lord, that they don't have a clue what it is that they're here on this earth to do. But Father, you are revealing to them that their call, their call started a long time ago and that you need them to be a part of what it is you're doing here on this earth. What it is you're calling them to do, Father. So I pray over any life, Lord God, this morning that says, yes, Lord, I will answer your call. I pray over any life this morning, Lord God, that says, yes, I commit to being what you've called me to be, Lord. And Father, as we go through this spiritual growth campaign, I know that as we exit the other side of this, Lord, there's going to be some people that are amazed at how much God is investing in their life, how much he is empowering them to do what it is he's called them to do. Father, I'm looking for the testimonies to come in by the dozens. We ask it and believe for it in Jesus' precious, precious name, the mighty Son of God, Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Amen. Folks, this morning, if you have not yet signed up for a small group, if you want to be a part of one or perhaps you want to lead one, it's still time. Pastor Clinton's going to be out in the Connect Center so that he'll be able to talk to you. And I just encourage you, small groups are going to mean all over our community this coming week, some of them starting tonight. Man, I just say, go, go, go in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm just looking for amazing things to happen. And remember this as you leave the sanctuary. You're, you're all called by the grace of God, amen, to do great things for his kingdom. God bless you folks.